Kansas, 1936. Out of the darkest days of the Depression comes the adventures of two unlikely con artists, Mose Prey and his companion, Addie Loggins. Now drink your knee-high and eat your Coney Island. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and I'm joined by... Brandon Fitzpatrick. Zach, I want my $200. Yes, that is the correct response to that. I knew that you were going to pick the Coney to be the (laughs) intro to this podcast. Yeah. You are a man who knows his Coney's. I do. Even if I don't eat them anymore, I still know my Coney's. Um, (laughs) Yes, actually, I did did go to a uh, vegan restaurant this weekend that had vegan Coney Islands on the menu. I did not get them, but uh, I saw them on the menu. Yeah, You should have. Uh, They didn't have knee-high. Do you know what knee-high is? Yeah, knee-high is like a grape or orange soda. Like, it's a specific soda brand. Okay. I would have assumed it was like Yoohoo. No. It's a soda. Yeah, it's an orange or grape soda. So knee-high is a soda that's uh, most popular. Two flavors are grape or orange. And it's really popular in the uh, Midwest. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. I, I thought it was a Michigan thing, really. Um, no, I mean, you know, this movie takes place in the Midwest, technically, mm-hmm. like Kansas area. But uh, let's see. Let me look up Nehi. Uh, I have never seen it. Um, it's orange or grape soda. I don't know if they have a regular flavor or maybe they had a regular flavor back in the 1930s. But hmm. orange and grape is what you see of Nehi now. Yeah. What would you rather have, orange or grape soda? Orange, for sure. Definitely the orange. All right. Not a big grape soda guy. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, that's a lot of preamble. Uh, anyways, but last week we talked about What's Up Doc. We found out what's up with What's Up Doc. And this mm-hmm. week, due to a myriad of connections, we'll be discussing Paper Moon, along with talking about Coney Islands and Nehi's. Uh, then at the end of the episode, we'll decide on our next movie based on suggestions sent in from you, the listeners, and us, your hosts. We will be spoiling Paper Moon. Uh, so, if you haven't seen it yet, it is streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Uh, so you can watch it there, or uh, if you're out of the United States, might be streaming on a different platform. And uh, you also can jump ahead. We'll put the timestamp for when we start talking about our next movie suggestions in the description of this podcast. But, of course, it's always better to pause the podcast and go watch it and then come back and listen to our discussion. So, uh, Brendan, it's been a week. You are in yeah, South been. Carolina. I'm in... Uh, just an hour away from where I normally am. So we're not in our normal our normal home venues. So we're at a disadvantage this week. What do you say? Yeah, I am uh, I am in South Carolina at the beach. Uh, I have been here for a few days. It's been really nice. But before I left, I did make it to the theater to see uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Hey, hey, uh, hey really? hang on. It is not Shang-Chi. I learned it is Shang-Chi. We've been saying the title forever. Yeah. Sean, like Sean. Yes. Like Sean, yes. They did did actually teach you that in the movie, and I should have, uh, I should have remembered it, and I did not. Well, everybody's been calling it Shang-Chi. And And it is. But it's it's not, it's Shang-Chi. Actually, apparently there's a a bit of controversy right now, because Bill Simmons on a recent podcast called it Shanghai, and people are very offended that he got the name wrong. (laughs) Who cares? It's Bill Simmons. He's an idiot. Right. He probably didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. I mean, it's Bill Simmons and he hates Marvel movies. So I think the whole thing was he's just like 
uh, but yeah, there's if you if search Bill Simmons on Twitter right now, you'll see all the outrage about it. And Ever. I mean, rightfully so. It's the right. It's the first the first Asian American led Marvel superhero movie. But oh, and I it's mean, awesome, and it's also an accomplishment for right. Marvel and for the Asian American community. Um, right. I, I mean, just think the, it's interesting the, that he's getting all of this backlash, and mm-hmm. everybody's been calling it Shang Chi, which is not correct. It's Shang Chi. Right. Right. Well, speaking of Shang Chi, actually, parts of it take place in San Francisco. Um, Yes. So we could have connected to Shang-Chi from last week's uh, movie, What's Up, Doc? Oh, I wasn't even thinking about last week. I was thinking about Always yeah. My Maybe we could connect to it or Crazy Rich Asians because there's a lot of no, uh, I mean, crossover. I mean, we could have just done San Francisco-led uh, adventure movies and gone with... Or Crouching uh, Tiger, Hidden Dragon as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't just have to be the Asian connection. It can be the no. city connection. But yeah, yeah, the, the cast connection. But yeah, though, that's a good point about, um, you know, the the crazy chase down a, down in San Francisco could have been a good connection to What's Up Doc. You're right. Do you want to switch? Do you want to make this a Shang-Chi podcast instead of a Paper Moon podcast? I don't because I don't have notes for Shang-Chi. Um, I'd, I'd want to watch it again. Um, but there's a lot I liked. Um, I thought the all the performances were really good. I thought the villain villain was really cool and complicated. Um, have you watched a lot like of Wong the, Kar Wai movies? I haven't. I haven't. Okay, because he's heard, a, he's a staple. That Tony Lang is a staple yeah, in a I lot of Tony Wong Kar Wai movies. Tony Leung is fantastic in um in the mood for love. Is that the one? In the mood for love, and he's also the lead in Chunking One of the leads in Chunking Express. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I recommend both In the Mood for Love and Chunking Express. Uh, if you get to them on, on any movie ladder or maybe on this podcast, we'll get to them. They're both very good movies. Yeah, yeah we might. Um, let's see where let's see where the ladder takes us the rest of the year. But there's plenty of time to get to some of them. Yeah. Um, but that's all I've really had time for other than watching uh, South Carolina beat Eastern Illinois in their first game of the year on Saturday. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, with my family, um, we're all excited about Beaver Ball. So, go Gamecocks! <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Do you think? Um, so you have not watched your Criterion movie? It's it, India Week not. on the Criterion cha- challenge. Yeah. yeah so. so when I land on Thursday, uh, it'll be Monsoon Wedding season. Ah, um, nice. Yes, you can watch Monsoon Wedding the night before an actual wedding. Mm-hmm. So, um, nice. Yeah, that'll that'll be good. Uh, I watched Monsoon Wedding the other night. Uh, there. The other afternoon, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's very fun. There's there's a lot of it's uh, different than what I was expecting. I thought it would be a little bit more straight comedy, and it's it's pretty dramatic at times. So. Okay. Uh, but I've actually watched a lot this week. Um, I'm trying to think. Do I want to go with another Soviet movie um, that I watched shortly after our podcast last week, or uh, I will do that. So I watched Stalker this week, um, yes. and that's from 1979. Uh, it is directed by Tchaikovsky. And it's uh, it's a sci-fi movie about a like kind of phantom zone that appears on Earth and uh, a guy who leads a group of people into the phantom zone to uh, accomplish some things. I don't want to spoil too much, but, you know, it's it's a very interesting 1979, uh, you know, 1979, obviously, was the same year Alien came out. um, And, you know, these the two movies are pretty similar in terms of people exploring something uh, sci-fi. So cool. Sounds Um, like fun. Yeah, uh, you have not watched this yet, right? I know you were saying this. Was I have on not watched watch Stalker. It was uh, I had a few different ones for Russia Week that I was going back and forth between. Um, but yeah, it's on my watch list for now. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, before Owen corrects us, it is Soviet Week because this was obviously this is Soviet yes. Union time, not Russia. Yes, so, yes. Uh, yes. But um, Soviet Russia movie watches you. 
Right, exactly. Uh, no, I like this. I, I preferred it to Solaris, which is the other big Tchaikovsky uh, sci-fi movie. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting just kind of thoughts that go out, you know, philosophical discussions and thoughts. And um, there's a lot of great reads on this. I'd love to read some like, long blog posts about it or let's do a podcast, but I've not found any podcasts about Stalker. So, gotcha. um, yeah, I, re- I recommend that. Um Brennan, I know we're on a little bit of a time crunch, but I wonder if, you know, if we're feeling at the end of this podcast, we may might want to stick around and do a little Shang-Chi discussion like we did with Black Widow since we both saw it. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll tag that on at the end. Yeah. See, I know uh, you're, uh, you know, you don't you don't have any notes for it, but that's OK. I think sometimes it's fun to talk about something when you just have to kind of go by what you remember and not what you have written down. Um, although, to be fair, for Paper Moon, I have like five lines of notes. I don't have much written down notes wise because it wasn't, <laughs> just wasn't a very notesy movie, I feel like. Yeah, it was not a very notesy movie, but I really liked uh, that about it, I think. Um, I didn't really know what to expect going into Paper Moon. Um, I knew Ryan O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill were in it. I knew it was like sort of a road trip movie where father and daughter. I didn't realize that it was like about a con man. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked, but I really liked that aspect. And that's always sort of, um, I think one of our listeners later describes it as being Chaplin-esque. And I would agree with that as far as the um, soundtrack and style in black and white and the road trip nature of the relationship between Ryan O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill in this movie. Um, But I don't know that plot-wise it's all that. Like, there's not a whole lot that was very Chaplin-esque. There wasn't a whole lot of slapstick. Yeah, I don't don't feel like it's Chaplin-esque at all. so just to t- to take issue with whoever that that uh, writer was, I'm not sure. I haven't read through our feedback yet. I'm not sure who it was, but whoever it is, consider yourself warned. I, I do not feel like this was Chaplin-esque. <laughs> um, I, so, yeah, so this uh, 1973, um, so one yep. year after uh, What's Up, Doc? This is, again, Peter Bogdanovich. Ryan O'Neill is in this, Madeline Kahn. So, you know, as I said, the top myriad of connections, um, which we'll yep. be getting to, and then probably some others that we didn't. And it is about a con man uh, very much like like a Sawyer type figure where he um, yep. has different kinds of cons that he, he just goes around the country during the great depression. This takes place in the 1930s. Right. Uh, movies done makes it. this all the ickier that he's like stealing from people who can barely afford anything. Like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't yeah. think about that. It's uh, very sticky for the, for the, uh, for the era mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and not only during the great depression, but also during prohibition too, which ends up playing a yep. role in this. Um, and we start the movie with a funeral and uh, mm-hmm. a young girl who's orphaned, played by Ryan O'Neill's daughter, Tatum O'Neill. Yep. Um, and may or may not be his actual, his daughter in the movie. Um, and he's to deliver her to her aunt, who will take care of her. And in the in the process, of course, they, they form a partnership. They start running cons together. And you just kind of watch their relationship develop. Yep. And, um, yeah, so what did you think of the setup of this movie? Like, was it... It seemed like very um, classic parent-child. Like, I feel like I've seen the setup of this movie a million times where, like, a guy, a, a a rogue gentleman meets a precocious young child and winds up taking them under their wing and teaching them all about the world. Mm. Like, I feel like this is a movie trope that gets used a lot, especially in the, uh, 80s and 90s and usually instead of it being a criminal it would be like a cop like i think about like uh cop and a half or 
Um, you know, there was uh, Curly Sue with Jim Belushi. Oh, yeah. He, like, yeah. Um, I never saw Curly Sue, but I guess that would make sense. I actually, yeah, I do feel like this is a, a common theme that we see in movies. And I'm not sure if Paper Moon mm-hmm. was one of the first ones to do, like, the, you know, the older, the older, um, especially con man character who takes the younger character under their wing and, you know, they're traveling around together. Um, you know, it reminded me of a couple other movies that I do have on my list, but I actually had a lot of trouble coming up with suggestions for next week, even though I do feel like this is a common type of plot and theme that we see in movies. Right. It's the classic Oliver Twist twist. Like it's the, you know, it's the orphaned child Mm -hmm. who's taken in by the nefarious rogue who teaches them all about the ways of the world. And, Mm -hmm. At the end, the rogue turns out to not be such a bad guy, you know. Right. In, in well, of, everybody's just struggling to survive during the Great Depression, right? Exactly. Yeah. We don't really know much about the Moses character um, other than what he's doing on the road, right? We know he had, at one time, he met um, he met uh, Addie's mom right. at a bar and yeah. may or may not have had sex with her, may or may not have had a baby with her. Mm-hmm. Um but we don't really know much else about his past. We don't know why. I mean, that I got that we don't know why he's doing this um, other than that's just kind of the lifestyle he's chosen. Right. Well, he's probably do. Do we think that he performed some kind of con on Maddie's mom? Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I just feel like everything was a con. I even think, I, you know, I, I was starting to think like him showing up at the funeral. Was that a right. con? You know, was because right. you know, the, I, the big... I, that's what I had written down, too. Was this guy a funeral crasher? Right. Yes. He. Yeah. Um, Interesting that you say funeral crasher, because I was thinking a little bit about suggesting wedding crashers uh, (laughs) for some other reasons. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe maybe that's a good connection for next week, Uh, especially since we're both going to be going to a wedding on Friday. Um, I thought about. um, Yeah, that that was one of the things I thought of. I was Um, surprised they didn't go to more funerals. I kind of. So in this. He does prey on. He yes. prays on people whose spouses have recently died. So mm-hmm. that sort of does make him a funeral crasher. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the yeah. main con that he runs is that he goes, and it's actually a kind of a really brilliant con. I actually really it's like it. really smart. He like, especially for that time when you have no way to track that. Like, yeah. So he, what he does is, if you if you forgot or if you haven't seen this movie in a while, so he he reads the obituaries and goes to the homes of people who recently lost a loved one, telling them that the loved one had put down a deposit for a personalized Bible, a very fancy Bible, um, engraved with their name, and he gets the person's name by you know whoever they're survived by listed in the obituary, and you know he's yeah he, like you said he's his name is Moses Prey and he's preying on people. Uh, on their emotions. And their religion, yeah. And their their religion. His name, a very biblical name, Moses Prey. I mean, you can't get much more religious. 100% intentional, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you think Moses Prey is his real name? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's like like Anthony Anthony Cooper is not Anthony Cooper's real name. So, I mean, it's like that. It's that sort of thing. Um, Well, wasn't Anthony Cooper's name actually Anthony Cooper and Sawyer was his name? Right, but I mean, his, you know, he uses all those aliases. Yeah. and we don't know for sure if it was actually his real name. You know, his name could have been anything. Um, what I what's really nefarious about it is, you know, even more than just the prey part is the sort of subtle brilliance is that he's prepared to give them a dollar at the moment that he starts getting resistance and like is like, okay, they're not gonna buy it. I have mm-hmm. it out. Like it's mm-hmm. not a like it's a. It's actually a pretty brilliant out to be like, all right, here's the deposit back. 
and mm-hmm. don't worry about it. You know, like it allows him to like walk away easily. Or at least act like he's going to walk away. And then they're like, oh, right. no, 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 actually, you're a good guy. I'll, I'll pay you. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 And, and so it, it, it once once Addie comes along, then they start actually, you know, she starts kind of being able to read people a little bit more. And, you know, there's the woman yeah. that she says it's twenty four dollars yeah, uh, because she can like, tell she's really rich. She sees the fancy chandelier. She right. sees the fancy, fancy dining room. She sees the pearl necklace and she's like, she'll go for a double. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one one of my favorite reviews I saw on Letterboxd today said Tatum O'Neill charges that rich lady twenty four dollars for a Bible. I ran that through an inflation calculator and twenty four dollars in the nineteen thirties would be almost about what four hundred and twenty dollars is today. OK, Amazing. work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so two weeks in a row, we've done an inflation calculator on a, on a very expensive item that was in the movie. That's fantastic. I love yeah. it. And it's she's really good at it. And it makes me wonder, like, how she got how she was already savvy. Like, she was already sort of, seemed to be sort of, like, street savvy and have some smarts about her before she even met Moses. So, I like, I I wish we had gotten a little more about her, about mm. her before her parents died. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, uh, I it, it, I think the lack of a backstory, it's, it's nice because this is such a self-contained story, but there are mm. lots of, yeah, I, I do agree that there could be a prequel to this movie um, or even a sequel. I'm kind of surprised they never went back to this because at the end of the movie, they drive off together to, you know, go down that right. winding road and continue on doing different scams. So, uh, and Tate O'Neill, uh, we, we haven't talked too much about her. So that is Ryan O'Neill's actual daughter. Uh, is, yeah. I, I learned Tate O'Neill grows up to marry John McEnroe. Uh, yep. So if we need a if we need a connection to another connection to the pretty 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 good podcast, they did do an episode <laughs> of Curb that had John McEnroe in it, uh, and she was the youngest actress uh, at the time, or maybe yeah, even well, still, to win mm-hmm. the Academy Award. She won Best Supporting Actress for this. Um, although I wouldn't say she's supporting, other than I think that young. they didn't know where else to put her because mm-hmm. she was so young, and they wanted to reward the performance, and they didn't have like a category for child actors and they still don't so Mm -hmm. they put her in supporting because you know she's she's second to ryan o'neill but she's she really is the star of the film like this is her film Mm -hmm. yes uh so much so that the book the book that this is based on was called addie prey addie prey yeah Uh, which i actually really like that that title um I don't want to get too much off of tatum o'neill but what do you think about paper moon as a title we talked a lot about the title what's up doc last week well, um, one of the things about it was that they didn't originally have a title for this. Like, they were trying to come up with a title that wouldn't be Addie Prey, and they basically made up the scene at the carnival where she gets her picture taken to justify calling it Paper Moon. Yeah. Well, and, there's also the song Paper Moon play. Like, there's a right. song about Paper Moon that plays during this right. as well. But I think they put that in afterwards. They were right. like, oh, wait, we can do the song, and it'll be great. Because it also fits with the era you know, that they're mm-hmm. in, so. Right, that I mean, old-timey music. You're definitely getting that old-timey music uh, for sure. throughout yeah. this movie. Yeah, and I really I really liked the soundtrack. I really liked the way the music was used throughout to sort of guide you along. Um, we have a lot of movies that do that really well, where, you know, score is substituted for actual songs. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really liked the way it was used in this movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, reminded me a lot of Clue in that way. 
where mm. Clue also doesn't really use much of a score. It uses like those the, old timey songs. Like the radio music. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, radio music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and, and so we're getting, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of Tatum, Tatum O'Neill in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a kid actor, I thought she was good. I, I don't know. I, I didn't think like she like blew me away in this movie, but right. uh, I just looked up those Oscars. So she actually, Madeline Kahn was also nominated yeah. for her role as Trixie Delight in this. Um, but she won over Linda Blair in The Exorcist, Candy Clark oh. for American Graffiti, and Sylvia Sidney for Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams. Um, I've never seen Clark any. Clark was nominated for American Graffiti. That's wild. Yeah, uh, I've never seen any of those movies, so I could okay. not tell you uh, if if she deserved it or not. Um, but the uh, this nineteen uh, the forty uh, sixth Academy Award from nineteen seventy four does have some very interesting movies uh, in yeah. terms of uh, movies that are on my watch list, but also. Uh, couple movies that might be coming up later in this podcast as well. fantastic can't wait yeah. Yeah. um but yeah i thought both both uh ryan and tatum o'neill gave really good performances um and i think part of that comes off of them being able to play well off because you know their father and daughter there's like chemistry there where they can sort of just go for it and express their emotions and not have to worry about it as much um and so I think they did. I think they did a really great job playing off of each other. Um, yes, I, I completely I, agree with that. I, I think that they had a really good chemistry um, mm. because of their real life chemistry. And, and I, I really yeah. liked watching this real life father and daughter play a pseudo father and daughter. Um, right. Do you feel like the fact that it was an actual father and daughter in this movie tips the hand a little bit that uh, Addie actually is Moses's daughter? I almost came away with it with the opposite impression. Like, I think the movie, I think the movie wants you to say by the end of it that it, it's the stupid thing from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's not, you know, he's not your father, but he can still be your daddy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he's just because, you know, just because he's not your actual father doesn't mean that he can't be your dad. You know, so I think it's more like that. I think that um, he probably will become a father to her, but I don't think that they're actual blood father and daughter. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's actually the opposite. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it, it. It's not clear one way or the other, and I, you know, it probably is like you said. It's, he can be your daddy and not be your father. Um, so it's you know it probably isn't. It's not to even be the thing that you're asking probably from this movie it's like it doesn't matter whether they're blood or not like he is her she doesn't have a parent and he is her father figure and the fact that she ends up with him at the end and they continue together instead of her being with her blood relatives her aunt and uncle um, where she's not going to be happy you know that's kind of what you're supposed to take away from this yeah so um yeah uh so we also get Madeline Kahn in this another connection to last week's what's up doc uh specifically Madeline Kahn in a hotel as uh yep. you know we get a lot of hotel scenes in this so. <laughs> yeah very strong connections uh and i would like to point out welcome to the five timers club madeline Kahn. so we'll send yeah. her a jacket i did do a little uh research on our letterbox last night to see mm-hmm. who else we had in the five timers club because i knew we had a couple but i just was wondering if there was like maybe some random person who showed up uh right so we do have uh you know tom cruise leads the leads the charge he's in the six timers club obviously uh, yeah. Catherine, O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara and Madeline Kahn are both in the Five Timers Club. Fantastic. So, um, 
Yes, that is our, that uh, is our crux are, members. Who are, are we have a whole... taking, uh, who are you taking for the crown, um, Madeline Kahn or Catherine O'Hara? Who's Ooh. the who's the matron of uh, the Movie Ladder podcast? Man. Uh, or the madam. Yeah, madam or just of the, the Movie Ladder. Yeah, just madam of the madam, the madam ladder. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. So Madeline Kahn, we have Young Frankenstein. We have Mixed Nuts. Yep. Uh, we have Paper Moon. What's up, Doc? And there's one other that I'm forgetting um, that she was in. Clue. Yes, thank you. Uh, so that's a pretty strong five, even though you don't it's like a strong five. Even though you don't like mixed nuts. Uh, Catherine O'Hara. We have Home Alone, After Hours, um, Dick Tracy, but she was like barely in Dick Tracy. Barely in Dick Tracy yeah. Um, Waiting for Guffman. Yep. And what's the fifth one that I'm forgetting? Do you remember? Do I need to look it up? Catherine uh, O'Hara. Um, yeah. Oh, Beetlejuice. 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 Yeah, yeah. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. So, so yeah, actually not as strong of a five. So I'd say it's Madeline Kahn right now because that's like five stronger, solid performances. Even though I love Catherine O'Hara. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a good I don't know. It's, it's a tough it's a tough choice it's because tough. Beetlejuice, she's so good in Beetlejuice and she's yeah, so, so good in Home Alone and yeah. so good in uh, in Waiting for Guffman. Where, sure and really Madeline Kahn stands out too. So, yeah, um, you know, like the GIF says, why not both? Why right. not both? One of both, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, I did have the people who are in the four-timers club, and I don't have it in front of me anymore, but I know Harrison Ford is one of the people in the four-timers yeah. club. So. For sure. Um, but, yeah, it's cool to start getting getting these these big... Uh, this is the great thing about being on episode 88 of this podcast, that uh, yeah. we have people who are starting... I think Keanu Reeves is probably at least in the three-timers club, if not in the four-timers yeah. club. Uh, De Niro, maybe, as well. Um, so, yeah. We fun to continue to see that... Uh, as we go. Absolutely. Um, Ryan O'Neill now in the two-timers club. Although I don't yep. know if he's... I don't know if we're going to do much more up. Ryan O'Neill movies besides this. Well, here's the thing. and is now's, now's the time to have the Ryan O'Neill discussion that we didn't have last week. Um, sure. Yep. What happened to Ryan O'Neill? Like, I mean, Ryan O'Neill basically broke out with the TV show Peyton's Place in the 60s. He had a string of hits in the 70s. Between this and Love Story and What's Up Doc and The Champ and Barry Lyndon. And then he just sort of fell off the map for, Mm -hmm. you know, the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. Like, he was in the miniseries The Thornbirds in the 80s. He had a couple of guest spots on some TV shows, but he pretty much... I mean, I do, I do see that from 2005 to 2017, he had a recurring role on Bones as on the yeah. Fox TV series Bones. Uh, I've never seen Bones before. So I have not either. Um, we don't want to start any beef with the David David Boreanaz stance, though. Is that a David Boreanaz movie? Or yeah, that's the David Boreanaz show. So. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Ryan O'Neill, not that old. He was born in 1941, so uh, 80 now. I mean, he could he could have a comeback, you know, maybe in a... You know, maybe Tarantino could cast him for a movie and he could have a big comeback or something. He had a, um, yeah, he sort of disappeared for a long, long stretches of time in the 80s and 90s with tiny roles here and there, but nothing, nothing huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so probably will not be making the, fi- yeah, yeah, probably will not be making the Five Timers Club. Um, probably not. Um, so uh, we also get a couple other people who were recently in other movies. We do get Randy Quaid, although I kept waiting yep. for Randy Quaid to show up. And uh, it's not until the end. And he really is in the movie for about 30 seconds where he yeah, just he wrestles. Lo- uh, he loses a wrestling match and 
actually probably gets the better end of the deal as far as that car swap goes. I mean, that truck, what a piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and I do like the the turn that this movie takes in the third the third act. As yeah. Well. Um yeah. you know, we go from just kind of watching them do these different scams that are, are kind of like petty well, 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 to yeah. ripping up to rep, ripping off a bootlegger and really getting involved in what's going on in current events at the time. Um, and then being chased out, you know, being chased out of the state and, uh, you know, Moses being Moses being beaten down and the money stolen. Yeah. Uh, getting there, getting them getting arrested. So, you know, I think that we get some some heavier dramatic stakes in the second half of this movie. Once For sure. Yeah. And I, I really liked that, um, especially like we had we had dealt so much with the sort of depression side of the era it was nice to like show the other side of the era with the bootlegging and the um you know illegal prohibit the prohibition style stuff um i really liked the two police officers mm-hmm. um the one quiet guy you know it was like very good cop bad cop mm-hmm. like there's the quiet cop and then there's the obnoxious cop right and i i thought they were both really good um the one that played the obnoxious officer also played that's John Hillerman. Mm-hmm. He also he was also the uh bootlegger earlier in the movie. So he he plays both of those roles. Well, um, he's supposed they, to be the brother, correct? Yeah, like that's so the they stuck the a mustache on him for the bootlegger and took the mustache off to dress him up like a cop. So and that's, that's Another interesting way that we get family resemblance in this movie, right? Yeah. We get the same actor playing brothers, and yep. we have a father and daughter playing a father and daughter. That supposedly have the same chin. Yes, same jaw. <laughs> yeah, the same jaw. Can you, can you, do you and your brother have the same jaw? Mm, I don't know. I'll have to see when I see him. I mean, usually <laughs> I have a beard, so it's hard to tell. Fair um, enough, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but, people uh, say we have the same voice, though, if you listen to us on podcasts together. Hmm. I don't think I would say that. You don't hear that? But you've, no. you've talked to me on, on a lot. I've more. talked to you enough, though. That's the yeah. other thing. Um, uh, John Hillerman was in What's Up Doc last week, so there's that connection. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, Peter Bogdanovich really kind of got the band back together for this movie yeah. outside of Barbra Streisand. Uh, so much so much uh, crossover between the two movies. And it's it's... I mean, it really makes this kind of the perfect choice for a movie uh, for us to pick this week. So I'm glad that, and it was very light on its feet. I like the hour and forty five minute runtime was very, yep. very appealing. Yeah, um, the the movie kept it really kept moving, um, but at the same time building up the good, you know, dramatic, uh, not really dramatic tension, but just the the chemistry between the leads. Where you know when they do say goodbye at the end of the movie, it was pretty emotional. I thought. Um, even though if you've seen movies like this before, you know that she's going to leave her aunt and go and catch up with Mose Absolutely, uh, yeah. down the line. Um, also, I was watching this at my mom's house uh, with the dog Moses sitting right next to Aww. me. So when they said his name was Moses Prey, I was very excited about that. Um, <laughs> Did and, uh, his ears perk up when they kept saying No, Mose? but they kept calling him Mose, and I call I call Moses Mosey a lot. And I was like, yeah. oh, if they, you know, if Addie ever calls him Mosey, we'll be we'll be right on here. But uh, she never there did. So. Um, <laughs> I also I, I watched this with my mom's husband, who's you know, he's obviously older and saw this movie when it was in, in theaters. He said, hey, he said he was very excited that we did What's Up Doc last week because he loved What's Up nice. Doc, one of his favorites yeah. when he was younger. Uh, but said, you know, Paper Moon was great. And he said at the time, Ryan O'Neill was a huge star. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, again, was surprising to me because he only did, you know, three or four really big movies that I've that yeah. I've heard of. I mean, Barry uh, Lyndon was the last really big one he did. Um, 
before a series of flops, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the three roles, Barry Lyndon, this, uh, and What's Up Doc, were very, very different. Yeah. Very different performances. They were all very different. Actor. Yeah. Oh. I actually thought Ryan O'Neill looked a lot. He reminded me a lot of. Um, I, I have of, in my notes. Who did he who remind you of? he looked like? Ethan Hawke. Yes, that's what I wrote. He as looked well. a lot like Ethan Hawke in my notes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote the same thing down. I uh, I don't know if I have it's any like, Ethan Hawke movies coming up for next week. It's but too, I, yeah, it's too bad we couldn't connect to the before trilogy at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't think there's anything really like that would be great, you know, to connect to that has Ethan Hawke in it. Nothing that's that oh, least, nothing boyhood. That comes to mind. Oh, yeah, boyhood. boyhood. He kind of yeah. looks like Ethan Hawke in Boyhood. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the choice to do this movie in black and white? I thought it fit the time and gave it that old timey feeling that it needed to have for the era. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really, really liked it. I was, I was good with it. Yeah. It really, it really get, put you in the depression era um, mood that it was trying to set. So yeah. I liked it, it. It did make you feel like you were. Um, you know that you were it just did did kind of transport you to that time yeah. um so i think it was effective um I think so too. and you know i think you know between that and the movie the music and like with the carnival scene um yeah you know you really do feel like you're in and just watching them drive these old model t cars on dirt roads um you just kind of you, you do get the you know you just do get you do feel like you're in the 1930s um much like uh is it of mice and men? Does that also take place yeah. in the depression? Like, yeah, it, I, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I could see how this, this was a book originally too. It, it would make sense why this, you know, yeah. and I bet you it's probably a pretty good book. I, I wouldn't yeah, mind. And it. I mean, there's, I mean, it's yet another in a long list of movies based on books that we've done on the podcast. Mm. Good point. Good point. Um, there was uh so we do have the titular Paper Moon, which um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, again, I talked about the title a little bit, but I'm, I'm a little confused of kind of just the significance of the moon in this, um, of the Paper Moon. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. Um, we do see it at that carnival scene and we see Addie take the picture there by herself and she gives it right. to Moe's um, that he gets at the end of the movie. Um, is it just kind of to signify like their uh, affection for each other? Their bond. Yeah, I think it signifies their bond and it's. It doesn't have, it's the whole thing of, it doesn't have to be make-believe if you mm-hmm. believe in me. So that, to me, that means that their relationship, while starting out as kind of fake and phony because they keep calling each other father and daughter, that develops into a real bond. It's not a paper moon. Their relationship started out being a paper moon. Like, you know how we call, um, when we, you know, we used to always call, Jeremy's fantasy team paper tigers so basically like a paper tiger is a like a team like a um something that looks like it's really impressive and it's not underneath right. the surface it looks good on paper um, it looks right. good on paper and so that's sort of how their relationship starts out like their relationship is very fake when it starts out with them calling each other their father and daughter even though they're not but over time it fades away and becomes real because they start to believe in each other. And that's where the line comes in. You know, it wouldn't be make-believe if you believe in me. Mm-hmm. So I sort of, I sort of um, interpret it that way, where it's like, it starts out as a paper, their relationship starts out as a paper moon and becomes an actual moon. Mm-hmm. They, where they can, like, 
be in each other's orbit. Right. It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's a real moon or a paper moon that it, right. uh, you know, in the picture, it's it's a moon. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, kind of what what I kept thinking about though is that, um, is that Addie takes the picture on the paper moon by herself right. because Moses is too busy doing some other scam without her. Uh, and like when well, he's hooking up with Trixie for the first time, right? Or hooking that was what it was. He was hooking up with Trixie. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which we really haven't talked about the relationship between him and Trixie at all. But um, so to me, it's kind of like a sad memory where you know Addie was relying on Mose, and he's he's off doing something else. Um, right. And so it's a little bit of you know it, it's it's nice that she gives him the the picture, but it's almost like the picture should remind him like, hey, remember when you ditched me to go hook up with this yeah, right. woman you're no longer <laughs> with? Right. So. Um, and yeah, so we do get them traveling around together. And there is that section in the middle of the movie after this paper tiger picture is taken mm-hmm. where Moses is much more interested in Trixie than he is yeah. in caring for Addie. And, you know, Addie gets relegated to the back seat uh, and gets locked out of the room. And um, and then Addie kind of does her own scam to get the guy from the front desk of the hotel to go up and, and see Trixie. Yeah. And I, I really liked all of that bit. Um, that really worked for me. And I, I like I never had a doubt for a second that it was going to work out for her pulling off that con. Um, I really I really liked it. I thought that whole sequence was really well done. I wish we had gotten a little more of Madeline Khan during that seg- segment. Like I wish we had got flashed to her in the room mm-hmm. and like seen her reaction when he walked in. And then cut back to the noises on the other side with Tatum O'Neill. Like, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of Trixie's POV. But I get it. Um, I get why they didn't want to do that. Because it's more about what Tatum O'Neill's character is. What Addie's going through. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And I do think, uh, you know, I do think that, you know, you said point of view, POV. And mm-hmm. we get a lot of POV shots in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. When people open the door, we're seeing... We're seeing the point of view of the of the people who are going to be scammed looking at Mose right. and Addie. Um, we see the point of view over the car hood with the emblem in the front. Um, we actually see we do we see something that we get in ET quite a bit, where sometimes we're seeing things from Addie's point of view, which is from her height, yeah, which is waist exactly. level, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I was, you know, I thought just the camera work in general in this was. Uh, really stand out and you know mm. we have a lot of, a lot of times where we're holding you know we're holding on a shot from the car of Mose and Addie talking to each other delivering lines back and forth and it's a solid couple minutes before the camera cuts yeah. um, and, and we just hold out a lot of shots for for longer as well as getting things from different people's point of views um you know a great example of that is like when Addie is peeking in the hotel room that's what made me think of it we see like yeah. the framing from the window that she's looking through and it's, it's just down. It, yeah it's yeah. really cool yeah it's yeah. a cool shot so um yeah i thought i thought that was all that was all really good but i agree I, you know we didn't get a ton of madeline khan in this we and she was just not i mean she's fine but she's mm. really louder madeline khan even mixed nuts the madeline khan so. yeah yeah uh all right. Well, uh, do you have anything else uh, before we I get into feedback? I think, I think we should get into feedback and see if that sparks anything further. Oh, but um, that was the other yeah. thing I was going to ask uh, as we're talking about Trixie. So Trixie is a prostitute, correct? Yeah. Do you think that Addie's mom was a prostitute as well? No, no, because she she was with her father like when he died, like they died together, right? Yeah, I um, how did did they say how they he, died? I, I thought it was a drunk driving accident. Like he was driving drunk. Oh, you might and, be right. Okay. Yeah, that was my understanding from the way the film was set up was that 
So the dad drove drunk, and that's why he goes. That's why like Tatum O'Neill or uh, Ryan O'Neill goes to the storekeeper and like is like, "Here's all the money you owe for this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because, where the two hundred dollars comes from. Yeah, exactly. It's where two hundred dollars comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, which two hundred dollars again? If you know, based on that letterbox review. If, uh, yeah, if $24 was $420, $200 is like 4000 bucks. Right. So, it's a not, not a small chunk of change. Um, I also don't quite get the cash register um, scam that they run a couple times. I, I don't really get how the math... Yeah. I was trying to track it, and I just couldn't get how the math on that was working out. I didn't I, either. It's basically to confuse the person and keep handing them bills. And they're not looking at the bills because they're too busy talking to you and looking at you. Right. So you could be handing them a one and saying it's a five and they're not looking at it because their their eyes are focused on you. Right. OK, maybe that was what it was. I was so thinking what they were doing was being like, can I, ha- you know, can I get a five for five ones? And then they give them the right. five. And they're like, actually, let's make that a ten. But they don't give them like they they're asking right. for money. They don't give them like they the money handed. back. They give them like a one. And yeah, right. OK, so, so they are still giving the money. I thought that I thought the scam. Yeah, was it's, they a, actually yeah, it's, a, it's a scaling thing where you're. You're handing a smaller bill, saying it's a larger bill, but it's act- but they're not looking at the bill before they put it in the register. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes that. It's that, why that it's why sense. the lady, the older lady, that he does the fast talking con with, when she picks up the wad, it's a whole bunch of ones. Okay. Out right, of the register instead of the larger notes that he said he was giving her, so that's why she's like, "This is weird." Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and that makes sense because he, I think he starts it and he gives her a five and asks for five ones back. Then he has exactly. all these singles and then he can pretend the one is a five. Okay, exactly. I, I did understand the register scam with the birthday where the, you know yeah, where he went up good. and bought something that, that was, was good. Where he went up and bought something that was twenty five cents, spent a twenty, wrote yeah. happy birthday Addy on there, and then she claims that you know, and that actually I don't know if that ever happened to you when you worked you know like uh, jobs in high school, but I remember sometimes there would be a time where I'd give somebody back change for ten and they'd be like, hey, I gave you a twenty. Right. You know, oh, it happened all the time in uh, working at Subway. Yeah. Like, it, it would happen all the time. Like, because you're so busy during lunch rush. Right. And, like, somebody would give you a 10 and you, like, or a, t- or a 20 and you give them the wrong change. And, like, half the time you don't remember whether or exactly, not. Exactly, because you're going so that fast. That was actually accurate or not. You just have to. And the customer is always right in a situation like that. Yeah. I don't you even know? think it's that they're trying to scam you. I think it's more that uh, right. you just sort of forget. So. All right. Well, uh, speaking of forgetting, uh, we're not going to forget our listener feedback. So let's see what the listeners had to say about this movie. Uh, they were pretty uh, they were pretty split last week on What's Up, Doc. Um, and let's see. I think they were split last week on What's Up, Doc, I believe. I know Jeff was Jeff was it's a little split. Yeah, um, we, we the overall the listeners are lower on What's Up, Doc. Um, the the uh, overall average for What's Up, Doc may or may not be adjusted at some point in this feedback. Yeah, I think it might be. Uh, but let's start with Jeff. Uh, and Jeff said, this is a really good movie. Haven't seen it in a while, but it's even better on the rewatch than I remember. Ryan and Tatum are excellent in this, and it's fun to see their chemistry as an actual father and daughter. Seems hard to believe that she was nine when this was made. Yeah. I mean, that's just because of how good she was in her, right. in her acting. Uh, script was great, and the humor was fun. Uh, loved how the dad was mostly the straight man, with Tatum getting to do the funniest parts. Jeff says he loved it, and he gives it a 4.5. Nice. Big, big winner for Jeff. Uh, we didn't talk about the humor. What did you did you think it was? A, did you find this to be a comedy? I didn't find it to be much of a comedy. I found a couple of things funny, but um, yeah, it was much more of a drama to me um, than than a comedy. 
Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, I I actually was um, surprised that this was not uh, not funny. I mean, it did have some like there were some parts that I chuckled, but I mean, definitely not funny like uh, funny ha ha like right. we got in uh, last week. Um, For sure. And I don't believe Paper Moon is on that hundred AFI list. Uh, it is not I, AFI yeah. hundred list. So, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, so there were some good. And there was some good, like, the humor kind of dry. There was a scene where they're where they're driving in the car, and Addie gives, like, a very wry smile, or they both give a wry smile after, like, completing a scam. And, um, you know, it, it's a fun movie. I just don't know if it's, if it's as funny as it is more dramatic. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, there were a couple of, like, like I, I thought the diner scene was really, really good. And, um, the, you know, we didn't talk too much about it. We talked about the knee-high and the coney. And, like, that was set up sort of definitely to be the most comic scene i think of them um Mm -hmm. and especially with like the waitress coming over and yeah i mean it was all it was all pretty funny um Mm -hmm. but overall it was definitely more dramatic yeah Yeah. but i mean a movie that that is about people who are scamming uh you know people during the great depression who just lost loved ones you know it's 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 a little dark (laughs) it's a little dark all right what does jim have to say i uh jim crumley wrote in and first off he uh barely missed getting his what's up doc review in time so uh we're gonna include that here yeah i think that um, email came in when i was editing the podcast last week yeah uh so jim says uh i did not find what's up doc terribly funny part of it was the style it seemed like a poor man's version of the pink panther or columbo mainly though it was the leads neither was funny nor engaging there were some fine set pieces and some good supporting acting performances plus i enjoyed the san francisco scenery Two out of five for What's Up Doc from Jim Crumley. And oh, Jim, man. Well, we, if he likes San Francisco, he should check out Shang-Chi. Absolutely. Um, so that uh, does affect our overall rating for What's Up Doc, Zach. So that takes the listener average for What's Up Doc down to a 3.3. 3, mm-hmm. And it's a 3.43 overall from the podcast. So Okay, so it's still a 3.5, which is what we originally five for Letterboxd. But it's a little lower now. It's a little lower on the list, but yes, we did. Yeah, it's uh, a little lower on the list. Yeah, the the podcast did give uh did give it a three point five. So that we did that we did, but he did he did affect the score just so. Well, you, see, see, so yeah, that's why you should, everybody should be writing in because you can absolutely. have that impact if you really like a movie or not like a movie. Um, it'll it'll matter at the end of the year when we do the countdown of what our. Uh, Highest and lowest scoring movies were. So. Um, also, I just looked up What's Up, Doc. Apparently now on HBO Max. So oh, we missed no. it by a week. <laughs> you missed it by a week. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good job. Well, I, we didn't talk about it. I'm really glad this was on Amazon Prime. Um, it made it really easy to watch it this morning. I just fired it up on my laptop and boom. Also on Canopy as well. So shout out to the library. Um, if you got awesome. Account. All right. Well, uh, Jim does go on to give us his Paper Moon rating. Uh, Paper Moon is a good movie. Funny and touching, and with more drama and suspense in the last third than I was expecting. Tatum O'Neill was great here, considering her age. It seems odd that she won Best Supporting Actress, since hers was the biggest role in the film. But the Oscars are known for being inconsistent. Madeline Kahn is great again in a true supporting role. And Randy Quaid is fun in another bit. Four out of five, so he liked Paper Moon considerably more than he did what's up doc 
Yes. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting to because the the WhatsApp doc feedback he wrote last week, right? So it's like you have, yep. a, you have like last week Jim and this week Jim kind of next to yep. each other. Uh, glad that he liked he liked Paper Moon so much better. Uh, touching is a very good way to describe this movie. I agree with yeah. that. Um, yeah, sentimental. And, yeah, and and the, what he said about the third act. I mean, yeah, I think I think Jim's spot on with this. Uh, you know, he calls out that it's you know odd that she won Best Supporting Actor um, mm. or Actress. Or I guess it's best supporting performance now, I think is what it is yeah. now. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, very good. Uh, very good review from Jim. So Megan, the librarian, said, I'm not going to watch Paper Moon again, but I have seen it. Though apparently I didn't have anything to say because I didn't even write a review of it, but I gave it 3.5 stars. Well, maybe our discussion will spur some uh, memories in Megan of watching the Paper Moon. And I shall have something to, to write in and let us know about so three point five from her. Uh, would you rewatch Paper Moon? Do you think it's a rewatchable movie? I don't know if I would rewatch it. Um, I think if somebody wanted to watch it, I would happily watch it with them. Like if my mom had said, "Hey, we, you know, I'll watch Paper Moon with you," and it was my second time watching it, like I'd be fine with it. I'd be happy to do it. You know. Did you um, watch it with anybody? Or did you watch it? By I yourself? didn't. I watched it by myself this morning. But um, my mom did say she had seen Paper Moon, but didn't remember anything about it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I think I think what I would I'd be like, oh yeah, it's about a you know father daughter and it's in black and white. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I think you know if if I would recommend this to somebody, like you said, and if they wanted to watch it, um, and I was around, I would watch it with them. I think that's yeah, fair. I think I would have a good time watching it with them. You know, and it's a it's a it's a very digestible movie. Like mm-hmm. it's you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, uh, uh, what do we got? Yeah, Owen uh, Owen writes it. It says. Beautifully, beautiful, wonderful, delightful film. Tatum O'Neill was magnificent throughout, and much preferred, <clears throat> much preferred her father Ryan as Moses than Howard last week. Yes. Naturally, their chemistry was great, and a fun host of supporting characters throughout. Felt like a lot of Chaplin influence in this one, but without ever getting too sentimental. And the comedy was strong throughout, with plenty of great lines and catchphrases. And a few decent stunt scenes too. Naturally, I will also say Madeline Kahn sparkles in one of her least likable roles. <laughs> uh, beautifully shot, and loved how relationship de- the relationship developed and how little time was wasted in setting up the situation. Mm-hmm. Four and a half out of five from Owen. That's really nice. That's a listener average of four point one two for this, this movie. Yeah, very high listener score. Nobody who's too low on it. Um, and yeah, it's nice. It's nice to see that this was a favorite of listeners. I do think uh, everybody brought up some really good points too, and you know, called things out. Except uh, saying this is Chaplin esque. Uh, I don't. I don't feel it. I mean, I guess like you could say. Have you the seen trip. the kid? No, and I was gonna say I've never seen the kid. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's the one that this one is really that influenced by. Well, let's uh, let's stand by for um, for connections later then. <laughs> yeah. Suggestions later. Suggestions. Uh, Latter run yeah. suggestions. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, who goes first on their overall rating? Me or you? I will go first. Um, yeah, so I really liked this film. I thought it was really well made. I thought it was really well paced. One, um, pretty beautifully acted. Um, really enjoyed all the performances. Really enjoyed the soundtrack and the old-timey music and feeling of it. Um, I think overall, I would say this movie is a four. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, nice. Uh, I am right there with you. Four for me as well. So we're going to be in lockstep, me, you, and the listeners, uh, all at a four. Um, 
I don't I just don't think this movie has like what it needs to elevate it up to a five, but it was just solidly very good. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I think it's fun, breezy watch, but then does get, yep. you know, when it does get dramatic and serious, I think that it, it works really well. And um, yeah, they, they got good job capturing the era. Good job making, you know, book to movie. Um, I still don't know if I like the title, but I, maybe that's just my problem with Peter Donovich movies that I don't like the titles. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. All <laughs> right. Uh, so what does that give us for an average? I'm assuming it's a four. Zero, four everybody's which a four. is a four. Yeah, it's yeah, a four. That makes sense. A four, a four, and a 4.12. That's going to equal out to... Uh, Definitely yeah. a four. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, but you know what? If you're a listener, you've not written in, and you really like this movie, or really don't like this movie, you can pull a Jim Crumley, send in your feedback, and uh, then we can, uh, we can update it. So, uh, all right. Well, let's get into connections. Um for this movie. Uh, so we'll start. Obviously, we talked about all the cast in Peter Bogdanovich, 1972, the year after What's Up, Doc. Did you have any other uh, major connections you want to call out for uh, for uh, from I mean, last week? Yeah, we talked about the tiny Randy Quaid cameo, um, Blink and You'll Miss It connection. Um, lots of cast connections that we already talked about. Um, yep. car, lots of car trouble especially in the mm, third yep, act yep. Mm-hmm. Um, between the chase scene from the cops yep, and the chase scene in the uh, end of What's Up, Doc. Mm-hmm. So lots of lots of car trouble. Um, yeah, I have two other. Um, one is, obviously, I called that earlier, but we have, you know, uh, a hotel as a setting for a larger yeah. a large amount of this, uh, of hotel, this yep. movie. And uh, also we have a, a pharmacy cashier in some... Uh, uh, you know, some questionable things going on with a pharmacy cashier. Oh, yeah, cashier and they do try to pull a con on that. Yeah, they try to pull a con on that cashier. So there you go. In What's yeah. Up, Doc. Yeah. yeah. Um, there there also go. was the phrase of push her out the window, I believe, about Trixie. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously, we have people getting pushed through windows in What's Up, Doc, as well. There you go. So. Yep. Um, all right. And uh, all right, how about connections to other movies from this year? Ooh, uh, I can start. Movies. I have some written down, if you want. Yeah, um, you can start. All right. So uh, obviously we have daddy. You know, we've had daddy lots issues. of dad, daddy, daddy issues, daddy theme, uh, you know, father figures. Obviously that is prevalent in this movie as well as many other movies we've done this year. Uh, this one was produced by William Friedkin. Uh, ah, William Friedkin, of okay. course, also directed and produced Sorcerer. Um, yep. And I believe Sorcerer, I don't remember what your Sorcerer was off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, sometime in the 70s or 80s. Uh, this is 70s. Yeah. Uh, Addie is reading Clues, uh, Clues, a magazine of detective stories. Of course, we just finished Detective Month here on the Movie Ladder podcast, yeah, so I had to call it Detective Stories. Uh, there was a line, where is the money? Where is the money, Lebowski? Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie was made in 1973, which uh, same year. We've actually done a lot of 1973 movies, maybe another one next week, uh, including Mean Streets and Long Goodbye, both this year. Nice. So, um uh, also, uh, going back between What's Up Doc and Paper Moon, just the title as well. But the title, for me, didn't feel significant enough um, and does rely on, like, a connection to a piece of media where What's Up Doc relies on them watching Looney yeah. Tunes at the end uh, yeah. and Paper Moon relies on the, the song the Paper Moon. Knowledge of the songs. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. So um, is there anything else that you want to call out from this year? Um, not, not specifically. Just the main thing that I thought about was the um, – father connection in Magnolia and trying to like um reconnect or find a like 
very complicated father-child relationship, basically, Mm -hmm. um, in Magnolia between the Jason Robards character and his children. Yeah, Um, Yeah, good point. Um, We also open on a funeral in this, and I believe we open on a funeral in Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Um, It doesn't quite open on a funeral, but we open with, like, a dead body in a casket. Right. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, And uh, so movie map, I do have an interesting uh, something to mention, tidbit on the movie map. Uh, So I looked up Paper Moon because we had had this suggested once before, and it was suggested by Molly uh, for off of, do you remember what movie? Uh, Probably Harold and Maude. Nope, off of Home Alone, because it oh. was about child actor Tatum O'Neill in a starring role. So speaking of Catherine, Catherine O'Hara, yeah, so, there uh, we could have done, uh, could have done it off of Home Alone. Would you, uh, where would you put this? Would you say Home Alone is your movie map? Um, I think you could draw a line with the con artistry of Brothers Bloom as well. Mm, um, good one. Yeah. That was one I thought about was because that's a road trip and a bunch of cons. Um, mm-hmm. Same with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels as well. Yeah, and ends with the bad guys catching up to one of our main characters. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil the end of the Brothers Gloom, but it reminded me a lot of Brothers Gloom in that way. Um, You could also connect it to Harold and Maude for the unconventional partnership Mm -hmm. between, you know, between Tatum O'Neill and Ryan O'Neill's characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we have any other examples that we've done of uh, father and child in the same movie this year or well, last not year. That I could find. Yeah. I did look. I feel like there's one, but I'm not sure what it would be, but I feel like there's something that sticks out, but um, yeah, I don't, I, nothing comes to mind right off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe one of the listeners will remember a movie that we've done um, that connects to that. Uh, all right. Well, for me, so I do think it's home alone just based on the strong child performance and uh, yeah. child acting as an adult uh, also, we get Tatum O'Neill, we get Addie in the um, in the bathroom during that yeah. scene where she's like putting on the perfume. That reminded me a lot of the aftershave scene yeah. um, as well. Um, but a couple other ones that I would like to call out. Uh, one is Shampoo, just in terms of a yeah. movie that's you know kind of a period piece and it has the uh, undertones of current politics. We hear a lot of uh, F- talk about FDR in this movie and socialism mm-hmm. as well. Sure. Um, and then you know uh, Newsies and Hamilton in terms of movies that are about orphans. Yeah, um, also true. I, I still think Home Alone is the best connection. So, uh, what's our title connection, Zach? Uh, I mean, Ryan O'Neill. I feel like it should be Peter Bogdanovich's, you know, obsession uh, with Ryan O'Neill. Well, just like Peter Bogdanovich is like, I, I don't know. Like, it's what did we say for our title connection for? Uh, Can we call uh, it when we from Bog- Taker Bogdanovich? Well, when we went to from Magnolia to Boogie Nights is very similar, right? Magnolia right. was, uh, you know, just a couple years after Boogie Nights, it was the same director, sure. or a bunch of the same cast. So I'm looking up what our title connection was for that, because I feel like it's basically the same. We just swap in Peter Bogdanovich uh, right. for that. So let's, let me, uh, uh, we had Paul Thomas Anderson, PTA's Ensemble Family. So uh, I don't know, maybe we just so say. Bogdanovich's, Bogdanovich's Family Affair. There we go. Well, yeah, I don't want to say fair because it's a father and daughter. Uh, but <laughs> I get, uh, yeah, like Bogdan. Maybe it's just Bogdanovich's uh, cast of characters or family cast of family. I don't know something along those lines. Um, 
I think we just what if we just say Bogdanovich cast of character Bogdanovich and O'Neal Bogdanovich and the O'Neals yeah Bogdanovich and O'Neal and others how about that sure yeah there we go uh or we can say Peter and Ryan and others uh we do. I think we need to call it Madeline Kahn as well because making it into the five. Ta- so Bogdanovich and O'Neill and Kahn and others. Maybe that's what we make our title connection. I will take your silence to mean that you agree with me. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> all right, good. It's fine by uh, me. It's whatever. Right. I, I just. I think. I, I do think as I was talking about it, like we got to call out Madeline Kahn. It's her entrance right, into right, the right, five right. timers club. She needs to be in the. She needs to be in the. Title. Should we just make that the title? Madeline Kahn's five time five timers performance. Yeah, but that wasn't like the biggest connection, though. The I mean, Fair enough. Fair enough. yeah. Um, I mean, I was saying a myriad of connections. Bogdanovich's myriad of connections plus Madeline Kahn plus Ryan O'Neill. Uh, it's a little little wordy though. So it's a lot. It's very. Uh, listeners will know what we selected, and I, I think it's going to be uh, Bogdanovich and O'Neill and Kahn and others. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of those shirts where you see. You know, remember right, those old right, shirts? Right, it was like right, four. Right. It was like, Should we make it Hillerman then instead of others? No, just other. Um, no, because because we could also do Randy Quaid as well. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like the, the shirt that says like Rob and Rickon and John and right, Santa right, and Ari, right. you know, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like yeah, or that like one. the original, I, I think, was the Beatles. It was like John and Paul, Ringo, yep. George. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, we are uh, getting into that time. We said we wanted this to be a shorter podcast, and. Uh, I, think be, I mean, it'll be a little bit, it's not going to be long, but it's not going to be particularly short um, because it is now time to talk about our suggestions. So we pick our ladder rung for next week. What are we going to be watching next week? Uh, I will say right off the bat, I think that there is one very obvious connection. It's one that I, I would guess we're going to probably be doing, but we'll see. Um, mm. All right, let's start with Jeff's. So Jeff's first one is Pursuit of Happiness, father and child acting together. Uh, of course, we do have Will Smith and Jaden Smith in that. Um, there's also, what did they do? After Earth? Was that the other one that they did together? Um, yeah, I think it's a different Smith. I don't think, um, Pursuit of Happiness is his daughter, right? Not Jaden No, it's, it's Will and Jaden. Is it? I thought it was yeah. Willow. I, I mean, maybe Willow's in Pursuit of Happiness as well, but it's okay. definitely Jaden is in the, uh, Oh, okay. All right. Let's see. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely, uh. Pursuit of Happiness uh, from 2006, uh, and it was Will and Jaden. Yes. Um, uh, okay. Great. And they, yeah, they are kind of that. That, that uh, you know, one that I saw is recently added. Whether we pick it or not, you should watch it if you've never seen it. I've talked it up a lot on this podcast. I think Brendan talked about it at one point. That it is the news of the world. Man tra- traveling from town to town picks up a young girl he's supposed to deliver to relatives and winds up keeping her, and she joins the business. Uh, spoiler. But yes, uh, great connection there, Jeff. Uh, Ocean's Eleven for the con man angle. And finally, mm-hmm. uh, this was the one that I thought was the most obvious connection off of this movie. It is from the same year. Uh, it is a con man angle. Uh, also takes place, uh, I believe, in the same time period as well. That is the Sting. So um, nice. I definitely think I think the Sting is is probably the favorite to be the just like you know like when we went from What's Up Doc to Paper Moon, just the most obvious connection, yep. myriad of connections. Um, so we'll see if we end up yep. picking. And it also takes place in the same era as right. well. Right. Yes, believe, that was the mission yeah. era. Yep, yeah, that was Pro- one Prohibition shenanigans. I always get the Sting and the Hustler confused because uh, both Paul Newman, both the Noun, um, both yeah. about people that are. So maybe if we did the Sting, we'd end up doing the Hustler the next week. Um, I have never seen the Sting. Also, just to throw that okay. out there. So throw that out there. Definitely nice. a blind spot for me. 
All right, Jim, uh, for his rung, he says, I'm going to go with another black and white film set in the Depression era that involves driving across plain states in a rickety vehicle. That is 1940 film from John Ford, The Grapes of Wrath. Henry Fonda, a patriarch of a family of famous actors, stars in Grapes of Wrath, much like Ryan O'Neill does in Paper Moon. So I think I read Grapes of Wrath. That's John Steinbeck novel, correct? Yes, that is Steinbeck. All right. Megan Librarian, her suggestion is, she has three. First one is the paper. Oops, that uh, Freudian slip. The the piano. Paper may be coming up later. Paper might come Uh, up later. uh, The piano is an obvious one for having a young girl at a cast who won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that next week is your 88th episode, and hey, a piano has 88 keys. This is our 88th episode, but I guess. And Tatum O'Neill plays a piano, so there you go. Oh, there we go. We did it. Uh, All right, next one. Ricky and the Flash, because it has a real-life parent and child, and Meryl Streep and Mamie Gummer, playing fictional parent and child. And, uh, ooh, on Golden Pond, for the same reason. Henry and Jane Fonda. Yep, which uh, I've never seen. Oh, nice. Okay, I I I liked On Golden Pond when I was a kid. Um, And you're on Golden, uh, you're on, you're not on Golden Pond right now, you're on Golden Ocean right now, brother. Yeah, I am on Golden Ocean, yes. Right. And uh, did you know that a traveling Bible salesman is called a coal porter? I'm sure I mispronounced that. For this reason, you should do the 1946 coal porter biopic Night and Day starring Cary Grant. Get it? Coal porter, coal porter. That is that is a real thinker, that one. I even Uh, gave it the ha that she wrote. Oh, yes. uh, I don't know who put the ha. I don't know if that was you. She did. Oh, nice. A single ha. Nothing is more insulting than a single ha. When you when you text somebody and they respond back with a single ha, it's like, all right, so that that's just real. You really blew me off there. Happens to me every day. Uh, I never give a single ha unless I'm I'm not happy with what you put. (laughs) Single ha, so insulting. Uh, All right, all in uh, once again, suggesting Blazing Saddles, same connections last week. Just with Barton Gillum replacing Liam Dunn as the third acting link, along with Madeline Kahn and John Hilleman. Sullivan's Travels from 1941, comedy road movie through a Depression-era rural American Preston Sturges film, which seemed to be a big influence on Paper Tiger. Yep. And, and I believe last... that is uh, Jimmy Stewart is Sullivan's Travels. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, not to be confused with Gulliver's Travels. And then from 1975, at long last, Love, 1975, Peter Bogdanovich directed vehicle with Madeline Kahn, John Hilleman in prominent roles that is set in the 1930s. A Cole Porter-inspired musical with Burt Reynolds and Bogdanovich's then-girlfriend, Sybil Shepard, as well as second Movie Ladder podcast star Eileen Brennan. Major flop, loved by few, hated by many. Ooh, hated by many. That's the way to get us to watch ah. it. Uh, <laughs> Peter Bogdanovich loved working with the same people, <laughs> apparently. Yep. Uh, and he, he also he, loved, he literally loved many of them. Oh, yes, good point. Uh, and enjoyed movies set in the 1930s. Uh now, I don't know if, if Olin is making the same Cole Porter uh, connection that Megan did. Um, he, he might be making a Cole Porter joke but not, I, and not know it. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you didn't know it. But All right, uh, well, <laughs> you know. let's see what you got, Brennan. Well, You're I get to go first. Yay. All right, so I have a few different things that I wrote down. Um, I thought it would be really fun to visit the original Bad News Bears with Tatum O'Neill and take her from uh, Ryan O'Neill as her father figure to an ornery alcoholic uh, buttermaker played by uh, Walter Matthau, who we have not visited since Cullen 1, 2, 3. So, uh, really? Bad it's news been that bears. long? Wow. Yeah. yeah, Bad News Bears is cursed. 
And then um, this movie reminded me a lot of there's a uh, this movie called A Perfect World, where Kevin Costner plays a criminal who winds up driving around with a kid in the back of his car um, after a bank heist, and they sort of form a uh, unlikely friendship. Um, so A Perfect World, I'm gonna throw out there, and then. I'm going to do it. Um, this movie actually reminds me a lot of the Chaplin movie, The Kid. So I'm going to throw in The Kid. Um, basically, Charlie Chaplin's tramp teams up with a street urchin, and they get into all sorts of shenanigans. Nice. Uh, and then for my fourth pick, um, there's a few different ways I go, but I decided that we should take away... We should go from paper moons to the actual moon, and mm-hmm. do the uh, do the movie Moon. Yep, that was on my list because I know you've never seen it. Um, I've never seen Moon, and I think it'll be really fun. So Moon is mine. Oh, oh, and well, you just took one off my list, Brendan. Uh, oh, oh, and that spells for watching Moon. What is that? What is that? M O N joke from? I feel like I always hear that, and I have no idea what it's, it's from. The Stand. It's from oh, The Stand. Okay. Yeah. So we'll do The Stand then next week. <laughs> um, all right. Well. Uh, so uh, it's up to me. Uh, of course, yep. Moon got taken away. The Sting got taken away. So that's two off of my list. Uh, so the first one I'm going to do is uh, a movie that I've wanted to rewatch. Actually, John Gilpatrick is the one who talked this movie up a lot. Uh, nice. You know, our, our very own John G. So maybe he'd come on if we uh, if we could work it out. And that would be Man on Fire, starring okay. Denzel Washington, where he's protecting a young girl. Um, never seen Man on Fire. It's a Tony Scott action movie. Yep. Um, I was kind of mixed on it when I first saw it. I thought it was fine, but John G really likes it, and he said it deserves another look. So <laughs> I threw it back on my watch list. Uh, the next, we did say that Ryan O'Neill reminded, reminded us both of Ethan Hawke. There is a movie about Ethan Hawke protecting a baby that came out in 2019. It's directed by Logan Marshall Green, who has never directed anything else, but you would know him as an actor. Um, yeah. He's been on a lot of TV shows. He was also in Prometheus as well. Um, and I believe he was in Spider-Man Homecoming uh, as the right. shocker. Um, yeah. So you wouldn't recognize him if you saw him. Yeah. He directed a movie, uh, his only movie called Adopt a Highway. So Ethan Hawke is a man who just got out of prison and he finds a baby. So um, I thought that that could be a good connection. Uh, not seen by very many people, but I think it was, I don't remember where I heard somebody suggest it. But, um, and you know, we like, we like Ethan Hawke on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one I will do I did a kind of spoil this earlier but the paper so you're doing moon I will do the paper Randy Quaid is also in that so that's another bonus connection Um, and let's see have you ever seen Matchstick Man no Okay, uh, I was going to do either Wedding Crashers or Matchstick Man. I'll do Matchstick Man, um, since you've never seen it. Um, that's Nicolas Cage about some con artists, and yep. it's basically the same as this movie. It's him traveling around with his daughter, uh, and they're both con artists. Interesting. And, yeah. So it came out in, like, the early 2000s. Um, I remember liking it quite a bit. So. All right. Well, let's take right. it from the top. What do you got for uh, – you have any, any – uh, Honorable mentions? Yeah. I have a few honorable mentions. Um. So I thought about throwing Oh Brother We're Out Thou on it just for the soundtrack and era. Um, and yep. uh, George Clooney's lead character is a con man. Um, Wall Street, I thought of for the parent and child sharing the screen together for Charlie and Martin Sheen. Oh, um, yeah. Thought about Little Miss Sunshine um, for the precocious, precocious child and um, uncon- unconventional family dynamics. 
Um, mm. And then I also thought about Moonstruck instead of Moon, but I decided uh, to go with Moon. Never seen so, Moonstruck. Yeah. Those were miles of rants. So what you got? Yeah. I had The Hustler, which if we pick the yeah. stick, maybe The Hustler will come up the next week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, some people say they've only seen The Sting too, actually. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the other one I had, uh, which we talked about, was Wedding Crashers as well. Mm. So. Yeah, I did. I, I was looking to see if there was like anything that Tatum, Tatum O'Neill was in or Ryan O'Neill. Um, I just couldn't find any great cast connections. Oh, the other one that I was going to mention, um, and I don't have it now. It's uh, Randy Quaid was in it. It's also from 1973. Uh, it's called The Last Detail, which I recently heard somebody talking about on the podcast again. I'd never mm-hmm. even heard of The Last Detail. Uh, it's Jack Nicholson, I think. Yeah, Jack Nicholson and Randy Quaid. So, and again, came out the same year, 1973. Uh, the Sting also the la- the Sting is also the same year. Um, it's also 1973. So, all right, let me take it from the top here. Uh, suggestion wise, we have The Pursuit of Happiness, News of the World, Ocean's Eleven, The Sting, The Grapes of Wrath, The Piano, Ricky and the Flash, On Golden Pond, Night and Day, Blazing Saddles, Sullivan's Travels, and Long Last Love. Bad News Bears, A Perfect World, The Kid, Moon, Man on Fire, Adopt a Highway, The Paper, Matchstick Men. All right, you get picked first. All right, well, uh, since it's the most obvious connection, and it was also on my list, I will take The Sting. Nice. Good choice. All right, how about you? Um, And I will also take something from... Uh, just list as well because i've never seen news of the world and i know you keep talking it up oh um, i thought you had seen it i had not seen it and you were cutting out on my end during that whole con thing but i didn't want to interrupt you so i oh. have not seen news of the world yet i do keep saying i need to watch news of the world on this podcast and now would be just as good a time as any um so i am going to pick news of the world from just list yeah and uh well you might have missed me say was that uh it's on hbo now I just saw it on the HBO at Max app. Yeah, the day yeah. So yeah, Bre- Brennan's got music. that. Brennan's got that beachfront internet today. today yeah, it's been so. it's been a little choppy. So Zach's been doing most of the heavy lifting on this one. Yeah, I will say I haven't even. I, I there were lots of times when I didn't even know that you weren't hearing me. Um, nope. So I was just <laughs> talking into the nope. ether. You, I missed all of I missed all of news of the world and came back for uh, for you talking about Ocean's Eleven. No, <laughs> nice. it, just, uh, it was just that part. Oh, yeah. it's like really... it's like the internet is protecting you because I said that yeah, you had exactly. seen this movie and talked about it on this podcast, which apparently exactly. is not correct. Well, I kept right. saying like I said for several weeks that I was going to watch it and then I never watched it. Oh, nice. So. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, I've seen some people starting to watch it now. That's on HBO. I saw, um, and nice. I sent some people that have been like reacting to my letterbox review of it because it's very long. Uh, Fantastic, Brendan. I'm surprised you didn't pick on Golden Pond. I really thought that was where you were going to go. Yeah, I. I don't know that I want to do that. What are you picking? All right. My turn to pick. Uh, we uh, Let's see. So for Brennan's list, I'm going to pick. I had Moon on my list. I had, I always like the kid as a connection. But I don't want to give Owen the satisfaction of the Chaplin thing. So I'm going with Moon. M-O-O-N. You get to pick from my list. Man on Fire, right. Adopt a Highway, The Paper, and Matchstick Men. I like all of these choices. Um, Thank you. I think that I would probably... Go. I think the paper is probably the loosest connection. Um, hey, it's we haven't done. Connection, but... We haven't done a big action movie in a little while. I think it might be fun to go back to Man on Fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna pick Man on Fire. 
Yeah, I uh, I think that was the one I was kind of hoping you would pick. Um, yeah. Adopt the Highway, you know, I love, I, I think that's the, probably the loosest connection, but I do really like that Ryan O'Neill reminded oh, both yeah, of us yeah. of Ethan Hawke. Yeah, um, I wrote down Ethan Hawke, especially when he's wearing the hat. Yes. So we have on our final list, we have The Sting, News of the World, Moon, and Man on Fire. Three movies you haven't seen, one movie I haven't seen. Is that correct? And I'm happy with any of these movies. Um, um, that's the thing. Um, yeah. I, I think The Sting is really great. I think we would have a lot of fun talking about it. Um, especially like two really great lead performances from uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Um, News of the World, obviously. Um, you talked a lot about it earlier this year in being one of your favorite Westerns on your Western Traveler. It's still on my um, favorite my list yeah, of favorite I mean, westerns. I mean, Moon Moon could take us in some really interesting directions. We haven't gone to space much on this podcast, if at all. Surprising, because I love space. Um, I, I also love space. Um, it might be fun to go to space. Um, and I already have some ideas. If we picked Moon on what, what we would you do next? Yeah. Um, uh, and then Man on Fire. Like, I mean, we haven't talked about Denzel Washington on this podcast. Have we never done a Denzel movie? I don't think um, we've ever done a Denzel movie. Well, all right. First thing I will say is bad news because it appears nothing is streaming. Now, I'm almost positive I saw News of the World on HBO's menu the other day when I was on there. So yeah. I maybe Letterboxd just hasn't maybe updated, updated yet. yet. Um, or maybe it, I'm hoping it wasn't like a tile that says like News of the World coming soon. Um, oh, yeah. But I believe it was a tile for like the movie is now streaming on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does appear that people are going to have to go to the library or rent um, no matter what we pick. So streaming won't decide it. So, thinking about Moon, I just don't know if Moon really has any connection other than the word Moon. Uh, Moon is a very cool sci-fi movie. Um, It's very, like, heady and interesting. Um, It does have Kevin Spacey in it, which, you know, but it also has Benedict Wong in it. So, Benedict Wong, great. Um, All right, so let's take Moon out. I say we get rid of Moon. Um, I do think the Sting is the strongest connection. Um, I think we would have so much fun talking about the sting. I kind of think we should pick the sting. You do? Okay. Yeah, um, I think we I think we really would. And I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember really loving it. Um, yeah. Paul Newman, Robert Redford. Um, I do think in the picture for the sting that they chose for Letterboxd, like Robert Redford looks like Donald Trump. And it kind of makes me mad. <laughs> uh, yeah. But otherwise, um, yeah. Uh, ooh, it's got think- Robert Earl Jones in it. Is he related to James Earl Jones? He must I be. Have must be his brother. No idea. Um, all right. Yeah. All right. Let's do the stake. I, I was kind of looking forward to the man on to man on fire. I think that would have been very fun. Um, but you know, we can leave that on our watch list, and maybe we'll get yeah, to it at some point. For sure. I think I think we would have a lot of fun with the sting. I think that's yeah. the way to go off of this. And, and the sting start. is the one that has. That's that's that movie, right? Ooh, the Sting. It's, not not loved by Av, but uh, or Olin. Oh, Olin and Av have the exact same rating of the Sting on Letterboxd. Uh, that is very rare. Does not happen. Uh, uh, well, hope Olin's looking forward to doing a rewatch of the Sting because uh, we're watching the Sting one next week. Not to be confused with the former WCW NWA champion Sting. This is the Sting. Or the lead singer of the Police. Yeah. So, um, wasn't it in that curve episode where? Uh, where Jeff said he hasn't seen The Sting 1, just The Sting 2. Correct, yes. Yeah. That is the yes. I get right. the joke. Yeah, all right, just making sure. All right, so we're watching The Sting next week. Uh, all right. And we will be back to talk about that. Uh, but, you know, if you uh, 
if you're uh, if you're looking forward to watching another 30s movie about a con man, I'm assuming there's going to be some more bootlegging in this. There will um, definitely be some bootlegging. Pretty critically acclaimed movie, uh, other than Avin Olin. Uh, people love this movie, so yeah. um, I think it's maybe probably maybe honest. Jeff will love this one and balance out the score. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you revisit a movie and you like it a lot more than you did the first time. So exactly. Um, yep. All right. Cool. Yeah. So we're gonna be watch- we're gonna be watching the Sting next week. Uh, like I said, it appears it is not streaming anywhere. I would you know double check. Maybe your service has it. Uh, yep. But you definitely can rent it. You can pay to rent it. You can get it from the library as well. So absolutely. Um, all right, Brendan. What are you planning to watch this week? Uh, so as we said, uh, Monsoon Wedding later this week, and then. Um, I don't know yet. I I will see what is going on that's dropping on uh, HBO or uh, Netflix this week. I I don't really have anything lined up. Um, I well, want to watch the new. We're both going to a I wedding wanna, on Friday. So. I want to watch the new Val Kilmer documentary. Val. Um, I've heard a lot of really great things about it. Um, it's supposedly it's very sad, but I also. Um, I think I would really like it. And a lot of people are saying it's very well done. Collection. Yeah. We have a clips collection, uh, which I've never heard of. It's, mm-hmm. it's a whole bunch of movies I've never heard of. Uh, so I just went by the most popular. So I'll probably be watching a movie called Daisies that's on there. Okay. Uh, yes. From 1966. Um, I haven't looked at that collection yet, so I have no idea what's on it. You'll have to send it's, me the it's, link. There's, yeah, there's literally nothing I've ever heard of on this. Cl- I mean, oh, it's, wow. uh, it's, the, it's a selection of lost, forgotten, or overshadowed classics in a simple, affordable edition. That's what, cool. that's how they describe the the collection. So there's nothing in lost and overlooked, um, very much so. So 184 funny. different movies. I just I put them in popularity order, and I'm just going by what's the most popular because I'm populist. So are uh, populist. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll see you in a couple days in person. Yeah, see you in a couple uh, days, and I hope people. Uh, I hope that audio hasn't been too awful on this podcast. No, um, uh, just a couple, know. just a couple spots. You were, you were fine. Uh, I, I had no idea I was talking into the void half the time, but that's all right. That's um, okay. It's like a monologue podcast. Well, you're, uh, Brennan, you're do you want to try to have your, uh, do you want to try to have your audio stick around for a couple Shang Chi minutes? Um, no, I should probably go. Let's not, let's not bore the listeners with the Shang, with our Shang Chi takes. Um, yeah. Uh, very, very quick, where do you put Shang-Chi on your Marvel list? Uh, right now it's number 12, but I could see it going down on a rewatch. Um, but I did really, really like it. Um, I thought I thought it was really well made. I thought some of the action set pieces were really good. Um, there's a there's a really cool fight that takes place on a bus that reminded yes. me a lot of Speed. Ooh, um, nice. Which we, you know, would be a ladder connection to last year's movie mm-hmm. ladder. Um yeah, I, I thought the performances were really strong. Um, yeah, it's number twelve right now. Um, a couple spots ahead of Black Widow. Yeah, um, yeah, I have it at number seventeen behind Age of Ultron and Doctor Strange. Um, mm-hmm. It was fine. I mean, yeah, you know, it, there were some parts I really liked, but there was some stuff that just like I, I very much felt the Marvel formula watching this movie. It reminded me a lot of a lot of other Marvel movies, and just kind of I don't know. It's uh, I just wish it would have done a little bit more to to different differentiate itself other than just be i mean it's great that it was an all asian cast but other than that i don't know if there was anything else to really differentiate it from other marvel origin stories yeah it's tough when it's a origin story to not feel formula formulaic to a degree you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's, so. it's it's a tough one to pull yep for sure all right well uh yeah we're gonna be back next week with the sting uh check that out paul newman robert redford and uh, we're looking forward to talking about that. I'm cl- crossing that one off my blind spot list. 
and uh, we'll be back with you sometime soon to talk about it. I guess by sometime soon, I mean next Tuesday. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) See you next Tuesday.